Welcome back to Tapping Into Crypto. We're here with your fortnightly market update. And with us, we've got a new guest. We've got Harry. Welcome, Harry. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Mate, it's good to have you. So obviously, we'll run through the similar format to usual. So we'll just chat a little bit about our thoughts on the current state of the markets. I've got a few key news items this week. We've got um, the latest on the F upgrades from their network. We've got some news from Joe Biden's administration. We've got some news from the Aussie cricket team and the Russians just to mix things up and also just some institutional news to wrap up on. But mate, let's jump in. I guess before we get started too deeply, do you want to give everyone just a little bit of background about yourself, how you got into crypto? Yeah, sure. So I've been involved in investing most of my life. My parents got me into investing in equities and I've also invested a little bit in property but over the last 18 months to two years have been really expanding on what crypto is, how it works and what the best coins are to invest in. And that's sort of my story. I've been working here at SwiftX as a high-valued account manager and yeah, I've been learning every day about all the different news articles and, and all of the different news across crypto. So deep into the metaverse, mate. Deep into the vortex. Deep into the vortex. Say. Yes. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. That's good to have you on the show, mate. But I guess to kick things off, how are you feeling about things? Yeah, look, I think that it's a really sort of tumultuous time at the moment. A lot of geopolitical issues with Russia and, and Ukraine are always kicking off, rising inflation, especially with tighter monetary policy in the Federal Reserve. The 3rd or 4th of May, which is only a couple of weeks away, I think is really going to have a bit of an effect with the Reserve looking to raise things to about, you know, 0.5%. And so I think that's going to be a bit of a tumultuous time, a lot of volatility in the crypto market and and stay away May seems to be coming into effect with a lot of a larger whales, I think, either paying some tax bills and jumping on their boat for the European summer. Yeah, it's not a not a bad sort of assumption, right? Like that stay away May mentality has always been there. It's not really like it's popped up now. But yeah, for those that don't know, it's usually quite a common time that a lot of your Traditional tradfire traders usually do take profit and take a bit of summer, uh, enjoy the sun overseas and abroad and all that jazz. So we'll see, I guess, if it plays out. Crypto tends to do things sometimes in the opposite direction, but we we have seen historically, I guess, those markets are very much following the tech stocks at the moment. It's almost like it's trending quite clearly with the NASDAQ and you know even the Dow. Uh, I know we spoke about that on the last couple of podcasts as well. So it's just interesting to see, I guess, if we're going to see that same stagnation come into the market. So I think I kind of feel the same way. I know last podcast probably got a bit excited to see Bitcoin bounce at that key level. We've since gone back down and tested that exact same range. So currently in the process of waiting to see, uh, I guess, if we're going to hold here and just track a little bit higher. But I mean, it's generally is sort of giving the feeling that we're holding, I guess, at least on Bitcoin, those higher highs are holding and we haven't made a lower low yet. So in terms of like market structure, it still looks like it's it's possible, nothing to get Definitely. too worried about. Yeah, right. But I think anything to break below these current lows that we're pivoting in right now, probably going to be a bit of a cause for concern. But I mean, again, I think I always lean back on like what else is the rest of the market doing? Like, even though we did see quite a severe pullback, there have been a few altcoins, which we'll talk about a bit later, that have run quite a bit. So it kind of really does sort of help, I guess, give a bit more evidence to the fact that we're hopefully still more in a stagnated bull market rather than a full-on bear market because you wouldn't see any altcoin run 100% and continue to run if it was a bear market. So yeah, I guess that's my thoughts at the moment. And just um, 
was really happy two weeks ago, still happy now. But um, yeah, it's just interesting to see the market just doing a bit more sideways action at the moment. But yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. It seems to be holding some key levels of resistance on the downside. But yeah, hopefully it does kind of track in a positive way over the next couple of weeks. There, But as you said, there's a fair bit of volatility with a few different news articles and, and things happening. So I think people are yeah. eager to accumulate or sort of just sit on the sidelines depending on what their strategy is and see what happens in, in the near future. Absolutely. And with that, let's jump into the news, mate. I think you've got some updates on Joe Biden. What's he up to? Yeah, so there seems to be some huge news over in the US with uh, Joe Biden issuing an executive order calling for a sort of an effort by the federal agencies to research and report on, on digital assets in the next 180 days. So, it changes the mentality that it's not if crypto is going to be normalized, it's when, and this is giving a bit more of a timeline of when it is going to be normalized and provide some clarity on some groundwork that needs to be done by those agencies to set some clear digital asset regulations. And that's going to be really interesting for a lot of advisors in particular who are looking to, to give some information to people and also large institutional investors on how to get around and, and provide them some regulatory clarity on cryptocurrencies and, and investing in those assets, whereas previously it's been very open-ended. There hasn't been a lot of information. There's been no structure, but setting that 180-day sort of timeline is is definitely going to provide some help for people to maybe invest. It might give them a bit more peace of mind and, and also help institutional money possibly flow into it in the near-term future, especially when there's more clarity around what's happening and, and where it's going. That's it. It's just that certainty. I think we've spoke about it previously on podcasts, just waiting even for reform in the Aussie space. Like I dare say, probably nothing too great is going to happen here until someone else, I guess, in the world that's a bit more forward thinking puts yep. together some sort of bill. I wonder if this kind of does pave the way for that a little bit to hopefully get a bit more regulation even in the Australian market. Because with regulation, I think, like you said, right, it gives a bit more certainty, it gives a bit more clarity, creates a bit more of a structure to what the rules are and how you can sort of go after someone who doesn't follow the rules. I think a lot of people are waiting for that institutional money and, and, some, and yep. people to have exposure through some more traditional sort of structured ways of either through their self-managed super funds yep, or, exactly. or through financial advisors and for financial advisors who may be keen to allow people to have a percentage of their portfolio in crypto, this will give them a bit more clarity on how they can make recommendations around that. That's a good shout because I think I saw a statistic, I can't remember where, uh, unverified obviously, I'm just saying it now, but zero, <laughs> only 0.02% of all funds currently tied up in self-managed super funds is invested in crypto. So, not even a percent has been deployed yet. Mm. That's in Australia only. So, And that wouldn't even be through traditional sort of super funds that no. most people automatically invest in. Yeah. 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 And yeah. a lot of people just don't want that custody issue, so they'd rather just an ETF product anyway. Mm. So, yeah, I think it's it's a huge space. Like, I mean, just we've been waiting months, I wonder. But, um, if, yeah, again, any positive step's a good step in my opinion. But um, otherwise, in terms of deadlines and timelines, ETH 2.0 has now been pushed back. So... Not something that's too, I guess, unexpected if you've been around the space for a little while and following what's happening with the Ethereum protocol. But there was speculation that in June they would move to their proof of stake model. So the ETH 2.0, which is what it's largely been known as, has recently been rebranded to the consensus layer. Tim Biko, Becker, Biko, I don't know if I said that properly, but um, yeah, basically called out on, on Twitter that more than likely not looking for a June release date like they originally planned, but a few months afterwards. So might be in 180 days' time. Who knows? Could be. Uh, 
it seems to be going back further and further. Yeah. So they often try and blame it on the developers, but I'm not too sure who's driving the delay. But hopefully yeah. they can they can nail it when they they do get around to doing it. It seems to be good for the environment. It seems to be yes. Good for people involved in Ethereum and also the different layers involved with Ethereum are also waiting for that upgrade and, and all of the projects built off it. Yeah, it fixes fees, it fixes speed, it fixes network scalability at a whole. Like if you've ever tried to move something on the Ethereum network, you've honestly been flabbergasted at spending almost $200 in fees when, when congestion gets high. So fixes a lot of problems. Obviously, they're using this as a bit of a news catalyst and you know who knows if it's a technical sort of delay or a purposeful delay, but... Um, a big piece of this as well for, I guess, those just learning to check out our Learn platform. Uh, we've got some information there on what is proof of stake and what is proof of work and the differences. But I think a key thing here to also know is there'll be a lot of mining rigs made obsolete once this move to a proof of stake model occurs because there won't be the need for mining as you would see in Bitcoin. That hash power, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with it because all of a sudden you'll have all of this, I guess, power globally that no longer required to you know facilitate ethereum transactions so it'd be interesting to see where that power moves to next so might be something just to keep an eye on as well uh or get across yeah yeah for sure i think it'll be be crazy and, and those nfts that that are also on the eth network those fees that you previously had to pay to to buy and sell or or even just store and move nfts around on the ethereum network i guess that that kind of leads into our our next sort of area with the australian cricket team they're also coming out and, and they're working with Rario to establish a range of NFTs. So there's about 250 different NFTs that the Australian cricket team's looking at releasing. I know that the Australian Open did something similar this year where they looked at releasing NFTs for the tennis ranges of the 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s. So they're, they're looking at sort of a variety of memorable moments, similar to the NBA hotshots, I guess you could describe them like with Peter Siddle's Ashes hat trick in 2010, Elise Perry's double century in 2017, and also just a, a day, um, Steve Waugh's day at the Sydney Creek Ground in, in 2003, will now be available for people to own and trade. And, and also they're using the Polygon network. So further to that proof of work and proof of stake issue, they're looking at using the Polygon sidechain which translates to a more eco-friendly and considerably fewer carbon emissions using that Polygon network rather than, I guess, some of those other proof-of-work networks that you use for NFTs, which I think will be really interesting. I know NFTs are becoming a really big way for marketing teams and PR companies to yeah, interact with absolutely. new users and, and sports, and it might bridge the gap between those people that might not necessarily be involved in, in sports but might be involved in NFTs and, and that sort of space could be interesting to see what happens over the next, I guess, couple of years with more and more sporting organizations adopting these. How's your NFT collection going? Look, I think that I've I've bought some very weird named NFTs, not anything to do with cricket memorabilia. Um, I've bought some blobs, I've bought some koalas, <laughs> I've bought some ghosts, and some of them are just sitting there, not knowing what I guess they'll do. They're just sitting in my ETH wallet, and they've kind of been, I guess, a group of us have always been getting together and put in a few hundred dollars each and we'll buy different ones. It's a lot easier to back them when it's a bit of a bull market, I guess. Um, But yeah, there's always some weird NFTs out there. Have you checked out that NBA? Is it Hot Shots or Top Shots? Yeah, actually a couple of my mates uh, who are involved in funds management, so more on the equity side, who are a little bit sceptical of crypto still and and how to buy them. They've just been getting their credit cards, buying these NBA Hot Shots, and they love NBA to bet on in general. 
because you can't really bet on it in the in the US. No. There's only certain ways, but NFTs um and yeah, they they find that you could have one NFT of LeBron James, but there's six different types of it and they're all yep. worth different amounts and and they find it really really yeah. interesting to hold. I think that was a cool way to see it done. Like I I've got some as well but mm. just to see how it was and I don't know, it's pretty cool to check out if you haven't seen it already, but it removes a lot of the barriers of entry. Like it doesn't require you to set up like a, a browser-based web3 wallet. Doesn't mm. require you to fund it. Like you can just action these on, you know, person with your credit card and yeah. it's all stored on that platform. What happens if that platform goes down? Obviously, you lose everything. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's an official NBA license product. They're running it. I think lately they've put in some upgrades, so you can withdraw your NFTs, which previously you couldn't. Yep. But yeah, it's um, almost like a little gif of someone doing a slam dunk or doing a big block, and it's crazy. Like it's huge. I can't believe how many different variants there are. Yeah, some of them look very similar, but yeah. the rarity of them. And depending on the moment, especially with those NBA moments, that's what it's called. Moments. Yeah. If it's in the playoffs or if it's just a general game, then they're going to vary. Different value. Yep. Yeah. And if it's like a rookie year video, that's obviously, well, for some reason, it's worth more. Yeah. Uh, what's the market decide why? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it's crazy because they tear it up. Like they got like booster packs, and to get one, you have to have X, Y, and Z before you can get the next pack. So it kind of like, funnels you along saying you well, you got the starter pack but if you want to get the next pack you have to go and buy this this and this from the marketplace that's so almost like gamifying it a little bit to to go further down the rabbit hole it's a uh, great option but at the same time it is i guess yeah you'll end up in the rabbit hole you'll all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. be wanting to be an nft expert if yeah. you've, you're holding sort of six or seven of these just trying to get the next one it's interesting definitely uh, but you've got some more news on what's happened in Russia, mate. Yeah, so I know that a lot of the, the sanctions, everyone's been hearing about them. With Russia, the US is always releasing new ones. I know that the Australian government has also released different sanctions. But this Russian crypto bill is going to allow oil and, and other commodities to be bought using not only Bitcoin, but also uh, Turkish lira, Chinese yuan, and Bitcoin from friendly countries. So they're looking at ways of facilitating that. I know that they're drafting a bill on mining and trading cryptocurrencies and clarifying how that all works. Um, the Russian Ministry of Finance has been amending and finalizing this crypto bill, which recommends using cryptocurrencies as legal tender in order to buy these assets. I guess they're largely funding the the GDP of Russia, this oil oh, yeah. oil exports, as well as other commodities that they do have. They need to be able to export those and still prop up their economy, even though they are being sanctioned by so many different countries. Mm. And being able to do that using Bitcoin is something that I know that they're really looking into. Like a lot of these bills, it is sort of in its infancy, but I know that with the sanctions probably crippling the, the government so quickly and this war not looking like it's going to end too soon, that they're going to yeah. be looking at trying to put that in place as, as soon as they can. And and I think people will have their, their views on it. They'll have positive views from a Russian side of things, being able to still help those people that don't agree with the war. But on the other side of the things, the government is being given a, an out, I guess, of getting around some of these sanctions. So it'll be interesting to see how mm. this is regulated along with all that other crypto regulation, whether it does get regulated easily or whether this is something that I guess the, the Russians will have a win on moving forward. Yeah, definitely. One of the first mover advantages. I mm. mean, if they get a bill across the line and that's what they want to do. I mean, it's obviously not too many people that are at that stage to make that sort of decision. It's mm. pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. And then we've also got a little bit of news from Brazil. This is kind of very, very new as well, uh, looking at allowing 
cryptocurrencies to be regulated and this is sort of under the the president there and whether it's actually regulated by him or or whether he just defers that to the the nation securities and exchange commission similar to the sec in america or the central bank of brazil and just some broad sort of information that brazil is looking into using bitcoin and whether other cryptocurrencies do become legal tender over there um, and what that kind of means for for things in the future is something i guess they're taking another step in that direction yeah, nice. And well, I guess while we're sort of stacking on the bullish Bitcoin news, we might as well finish up with the institutional news, mate. So there was apparently 30,000 Bitcoin leaving Coinbase's wallets. So that equates to about 1.2 billion US dollars worth. So hard to say definitively what was the root cause of that transfer, obviously, you know, with all these network transfer uh, receipts that you can see, like it's all up to interpretation what you see, but basically the outflows, if you know, doesn't indicate there is increasing institutional interest in the asset class. So a lot of people probably, you know, picking up the dip, I guess you could say, by that dip. Uh, so a couple of whales at play there. So kind of showing that even though the you know the price obviously doesn't reflect in something that everyone would put their hand up to want to buy, there there is a big contingency of people wanting to buy. And that's something we flagged up on the podcast a couple of times in the past, you know, that Having that mindset of, uh, you know, Warren Buffett, buy when the fear is there because everyone else will sell it to you. So not yep. those words verbatim, but that sort of general idea. But uh, that's crazy. Yeah, 30,000 Bitcoin in one day. Crazy. I think we'll probably see more of these stories come out with yeah. the support levels come yep. up more and more where we have all this bad news come out, even yep. rising inflation, but still sort of Bitcoin holding at a certain level or yep. holding in a range, not making any new lower lows. There's probably going to be more of these institutional organizations that look at accumulating at these prices, which may seem very expensive at say forty to 45,000 US for a Bitcoin. But for them, they're probably looking at the upside in the future and, and holding it for the long term because there is sort of a, a finite amount of Bitcoin and, and that's going to be an interest to them as institutional investors. And as soon as the regulation catches up, then it's possibly going to be a bit too late to get it at these prices. So it'll be interesting. There's probably always chances of further downside, but institutional investors will be looking at accumulating more and more of these and and storing them in these cold wallets and and having custody of them. Yeah, and it should also be pointed out, uh, for those that don't know, a lot of these transactions, they occur off, I guess, real-life market rates. So what tends to happen is a lot of these big institutions will approach what's referred to as an OTC desk, an over-the-counter service, where you effectively are buying the crypto straight from the exchange and not from another person, which most of us would be you know, most acclimated with buying and selling off other people that are participating on an exchange. So a lot of these Bitcoins are generated from mining, long-term holdings by those exchanges. So seeing those stores, I guess, emptied is a pretty bullish sign as opposed to being replenished. I think we spoke about it last fortnight about net exchange flows being, you know, negative is a good thing as well. So you can uh, catch that if you haven't already on that last episode. But overall, sounds pretty good. It's just that couple of key news things I think we just keep talking about. There's still a few news points that we mentioned at the very top that, you know, could still send us down without too much warning. Um, so obviously take it with a grain of salt is all we're saying there. Fortnightly movers, there hasn't been too many standouts in terms of gains. We've seen GMT or Steppen. Uh, we talked about that last fortnight as well. It's still riding up high there. Metal, Carbon Network, uh, they're both up respectively about 30 to 40% this week. Uh, Carbon Network in particular, in its last three months, has been probably outperforming a lot of the other market players. So it's up 190%. Tried to do a little bit of digging as to why that might be the case. 
The only thing I could really find out about the KNC network is they've recently launched quite a bit of their DeFi applications. So when the, I guess, DEXs and things like that do come online, you do need that network native token to create quite a bit of the liquidity pairs needed. So that can create some intrinsic demands for people locking up that asset. So could be a reason why. I guess we've seen a bit of a spike on that one. But across the board, we're probably seeing relatively positive sentiment in the last 14 days, but nothing really too outstanding. Uh, A lot of assets are simply just making up a bit of ground rather than paving the way and making too many crazy gains lately, which pretty much matches, I guess, the tone we've been sort of saying. Yeah, I think we could see a few more of those, that Kyber network. I guess it's sort of operating a bit of a a DeFi DAO, I guess. And and I think we'll see a few more of those possibly pop over the next coming months while there's a bit of sideways action. You know, the APR or the APY that you're getting on some of these coins and these DAOs that you might be investing in. I guess you got to do your own research and look at what the DAO is actually investing in when you do buy into them. But yep. I think that some of the rates that you're going to be getting, a lot of uh, the the guys that are here in, in, at SwiftX that have done well over the years, they've been staked or they've invested in some of these for a period of time of sideways action or a bit of a, a bearish sort of market. So I think that you'll see a few more of these pop in the next couple of weeks. You've just got to find the right one and and I guess do your own research into what they have backing them. Yeah, because we saw that go wrong just a few days ago when mm. one of the DAOs got hacked for levels 180 mil. So yeah, yeah. just just loopholes. So it's, it, everything's a risk at the end of the day. You just got to map out what's right for you and your portfolio. But the only other thing I wanted to mention was Ethereum. Much as we talked about the news delay and obviously the negative sentiment in the market, I guess for the last, you can almost call it three to six months, we've still seen a step up in, in the rate at which ETH was being staked away. So still seeing that positive conviction of people moving to locking up their ETH in preparation for the change of consensus when it does occur. So, you know, the takeaway there is essentially that with, even with all of the um, changes to the Ethereum asset itself, we could see some serious supply shock when the markets start to move. Obviously, with Ethereum and the London fork, there's now a burn mechanism. So there's less and less being made available for free supply to buy. And when you couple that with an increasingly amount uh, of that Ethereum being locked away, you don't have too much remaining for circulating supply. Like obviously still quite a bit, but you know a lot of people are pegging Ethereum to do hopefully some pretty good positive moves once it does get started. And it really does, if you look at it from a fundamental point of view, it's almost setting up that sort of scene where there's less and less of it every day. Um, so it's going to be an interesting one to watch, I think, into the mid to latter end of this year, hopefully. Mm. Yeah, if they can start to bring out some more positive news and not keep delaying things, <laughs> I think that people will be keen to jump on the bandwagon. I think that yep. uh, a lot of people will be see that Ethereum does have a lot of things built on it and with it. I guess it's large network that so many people support that's trying to crypto or Ethereum's trying to be the internet of crypto. Absolutely, mate. Well, thanks very much for joining us on the podcast today, Harry. No worries at all. Great to be here. And if you like what you've been hearing, you can find us on Instagram at Tapping Into Crypto and just uh, let us know your thoughts if you have any questions. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you so much for joining us for today's show. If you liked it, don't forget to head over to the gram and join us at Tapping Into Crypto. And before we finish up, just a general disclaimer that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. And the opinions on this podcast belong to individuals and are not affiliated with any companies mentioned. Any advice is general in nature and does not take into account your own personal situation. If you're looking to get advice, please seek out the help of a licensed financial advisor. We'll talk to you soon.